This podcast is brought to you by Carl Zeiss Metatech. The authors slash speakers have a contractual or other financial relationship with Carl Zeiss Metatech AG and its affiliates and have received financial support. Products, services, or offers referenced in this video may not be available in all countries, and product labeling varies by country. Hey everybody, this is Dr. Blake Williamson from Williamson Eye Center in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. I'm the medical director specializing in refractive cataract surgery as well as minimally invasive glaucoma surgery. And I'm happy to be with you on this podcast today talking to my really good friend, Dr. Bill Wiley. Bill, how are you doing today? Doing great, Blake. So good to be here with you. And in my practice is very similar to yours. I'm mostly cataract and refractive, but dabble in MIGS as well. And medical director of Clear Choice LASIK Eye Center in Cleveland, Ohio. And we've been users of the Visumax going back to 2016. And I've been a big fan of the platform. And I know there's a lot of great platforms out there, but we can talk about what makes Visumax special. And we've been a fan since early adoption. Yeah, I'm going to let the cat out of the bag really quick and tell you that the Visumax has probably been the biggest technological advance that I've ever experienced in my young career. I've only been in practice, what, seven or eight years now, but there's been other jumps like older versions of, of multifocals to the more modern ones, first generation stents versus what we have now in the MIG space. All those to me, though, were just sort of incremental. And this, this step that I had going from my original 50-second laser to the Visumax was just a, a giant leap in terms of user experience, in terms of patient experience. And it, it was one of the best decisions I've ever made. Well worth uh, well worth what we have invested in this technology. And I have experts like yourself and many others to kind of thank for that. And, and we'll kind of get into it as we go. And really, I think that what we can first start talking about is just sort of the landscape that's out there, other devices. So really, I was using the the Intralates, the IFS, and that was nothing bad to say about it. On its own, it's kind of all I knew, and the damn thing worked up until it didn't. Like all technologies, after a while, you can only service them so often, they need to be replaced. And we had kind of gotten to a place where there wasn't a newer box that we could get, and the new model coming out wasn't going to be available commercialized in the States for another year or so. So it's kind of at this moment. So I guess the reason I got out of IFS is not because it's a bad laser. We had great results for it for many years. It was more that I, mine literally broke down and, and uh, I was going to have to get a new one. And I couldn't get the newer version of the Johnson & Johnson laser that was coming out. So I kind of looked around. They have offerings from Zemer. They have offerings from Alcon, the FS200. Yeah, I think you've nailed it. I think that the only other one that might be out there would be the BNL Invictus, which is mostly a femtosecond cataract laser, but it is sort of interesting that it can also do flaps as well. But I, I think that's more of a unique situation. I think most corneal refractive surgeons are using either, well, you know, one of the ones that you mentioned earlier, quite frankly, all the femtos are great, but there are some things, like you said, Blake, that make Visumax special and unique and uh sort of game changer, like you said. Yeah, I mean, to me, I wanted to figure out a way, how can I make what is currently the most stressful part of the procedure the least stressful part of the procedure, right? And so I'll be honest, sometimes whenever I was doing the femto part, patients would, would be uncomfortable. They would lose vision very temporarily. I mean, it was the most stressful part for me because sometimes they would squeeze and you would lose suction. And that was 
fairly routine. It wasn't uncommon. No big deal. You can simply redock and complete the case, and patients did fine. But if you didn't have to go through those things, boy, would that make the whole experience better? Wouldn't your day go by faster? Wouldn't you be less stressed about that anytime I'm operating on any patient, but especially like a VIP or one of my NFL players or LSU players, like I would always kind of stress out right before the, the femto part. And I'd say, hey, listen, you're going to feel this now. And everybody just kind of would wait and hold their breath. And vast majority of times, it wasn't a big deal. Okay. But it'd be nice to remove that completely. So for me, when I was looking at all the different platforms out there, I wanted something that I knew would take all the things I didn't like and and basically have an answer for them, right? I wanted something that was low pressure. I wanted something that was not going to change patient's vision. I was I wanted something that was you're not going to lose suction on. Be very uncommon to do so. And the more and more I ask people about the different lasers, I kind of would start to zone in on the Visumax. And it's one of those things that. While I don't think any of the lasers currently available are bad, and while I have people, I know many people who are more successful than me, sharper than I am, do more surgery than I do, who use those other lasers, what I found was very quickly is it was hard to get someone to say something bad about the Visumax. Anything. I was actually, it wasn't like, hey, what do you like? What do you like about your laser? It's like, hey, I want you to tell me one thing you don't like about the Visumax as it relates. Not, not talking about smile. Smile works well. Many surgeons out there, of course. I was trying to get started there and maybe later on kind of venture out into the smile universe. But for now, I was like, tell me something bad about the, the, the Vision Max as a flat maker. No one can tell me anything. I mean, it's hard It's hard to find. Is there any negatives with this thing? No, I, I think you nailed it. You know, Blake, I think I seem to remember you asking me that same question. I sort of hemmed and hawed and tried to find something. I said, well, I guess it's a, a big footprint in the OR. Maybe you, you need the space for it or something like that. But I agree that the platform itself is hard to find flaws in. I think one of the things you touch on a lot of the aspects and one thing that's important to consider is what what's the foundational piece that makes Visumax different than the other ones? And I think the foundational difference is going to be the way it docks on the cornea and it's docking to the cornea rather than the conjunctiva. And I didn't really understand what that meant when we first adopted it. And I said, okay, big deal. It, it docks on the cornea and not the conjunctiva. How is that going to make a difference? And what's interesting is what makes that different is it allows you to gain suction at much lower pressures. When you go to the conjunctiva to keep the eye stable and not moving, you have to get the pressure to 60 or 70 millimeters of mercury and really high pressure to keep that eye stable. But the because the conjunctiva can move or the eye can move if you're docking on the conjunctiva. What's nice with the Visumax is it's docking on the cornea and you get a really firm hold of the eye at lower pressures. And then also it reduces sort of that discomfort in that first 24 hours and also cosmetically, you know, virtually eliminates subconch heme and things like that. So when you're docking on conjunctiva, you have a few things. Number one, you need the pressure high. Number two, you can get subconch heme, and then also you can have a fair amount of discomfort at first, particularly four to eight hours. You have these patients that are sort of tearing, burning. A lot of times they're just sort of uncomfortable in that initial perioperative period versus vision max when you dock on the cornea. Really quick recovery and really quiet looking eyes, a very comfortable experience. Yeah, was was the Visumax? I'm, I'm trying to. People who are listening to this can say, "Hey, Blake's basically giving you a commercial for a Visumax," which I guess is kind of true. Well, I'm not intending to. It's just the damn thing is, is, has been so successful 
in our practice. I'm just trying to find something bad about it. And I guess the large footprint. Also, it doesn't dock to mount my eczema, which is the wave light. And so it would have been easy to do the FS200 in wave light. A lot of people said, well, gosh, why wouldn't you do that? You can just kind of turn the patient. So maybe that would be the negative is that the patient, if you're not going to have, if you're going to have a different eczema, the patient's going to have to get up and get off the bed. And also, don't you get some, or is, is it with the Busymax that you get some anterior chamber bubbles? I haven't seen any yet. But is that the one that, that can cause that? I used to have some with my intralace. I think the FS200 has some. Does Visimax can sometimes get some, some anterior chamber bubbles, which can throw off your pupil tracking, or is that is that not a big deal either? Yeah, not a big deal for that one. I, we've we've not seen that with Visimax. I have seen it a couple times with the intralace, but but not seen it with Visimax. Okay. Um, maybe there's a nuance in centration where it was different, where... With the interlace, since the pressure goes high, you're not using patient fixation to help you dock. So you have to dock to the eye, and often you're not perfectly centered, and then you're using software to recenter it. With the Visumax, where you dock is where you dock. So that's you know, sort of one nuance. Initially, it felt maybe not as good as the interlace because you couldn't recenter that dock. But the reality is, because you're doing low pressure docking, you're using the patient's visualization to center and you're centering on that Purkinje reflex. And I think that ultimately becomes an advantage for things like SMILE, where you want to have your laser treatment centered on visual access. But that might be something perceived as sort of a step backwards when you initially go from a platform like Interlace or probably, I've not used the Alcon machine, but yeah. those machines that have software centration, I suppose. Yeah, that's good feedback. So we want to try to make this balanced. I mean, that's what I was looking for is like the comfort piece, not, not losing the vision, not scaring the patient, and not not having flap suction loss was was those are those are my huge issues. And then there's some other peripheral ones like like the bubbles. Not I don't, I don't want that to have bubbles and have that affect my pupil tracking. Also, being able to restart when I do lose suction because I have lost suction on the Vision Max. And some systems, I, my understanding is that it can be difficult to restart right then and there. Do you, where do you, do you cut a whole new flap? Do you pick up right in the middle? Do you do flap cut only? How easy is it in those high pressure situations? Because that, that's, that's that when you do lose suction, even with the Visimax, that's the only time that you're kind of like, well, wait a second, you're, you're, you're really on alert now. You want to make sure that you're doing everything right to start it exactly back where it started or do you side cut only versus cut a whole new flap. And they can kind of bring you through that decision tree. It says it right there on the screen. It'll kind of direct you what you need to be doing. So that was really my journey was just saying, hey, listen, I like my platform. Uh, I like the J&J system. I've had success with it, but my, my system wasn't working and I couldn't get a replacement fast enough in order to take care of the cases that I had scheduled for the next two weeks. And so luckily I was able to find the very, one of the very last Visimaxes available here in the States. It was right on the floor of AAO. And so so I was able to get that one, thank God. And, and that was after talking to colleagues and having my partners here at Williams and I kind of scour the message boards and reach out to all their colleagues and, and just say, hey, listen, what are you having success with? And I have to say that I heavily weighted information that I got from those surgeons in bigger markets, like let's say like Los Angeles and Dallas, New York, who use multiple platforms, multiple femtos. That was great. They say, listen, I, I use the, the Visumax in this center and I use femtosecond laser B in this other center. And I'll just tell you that hands down, the Visumax is what I would go with. And here's why. And it kind of launched into some of the things that we were talking about. Yeah, that's great. So, so 
at one point I was going to ask you, Blake, what's your thought of what? What's your thoughts are regarding the changing of the marketplace as far as patient demand on comfort? I feel like the younger generation nowadays seems to be not quite as comfortable with with anything. Sort of, I guess. Yeah, your no pain, no pain. <laughs> yes, no pain, no pain. Yeah, I can explain that exactly. Yeah, yeah. So go ahead, Blake. Explain what what's your what's your thought of today nowadays with the with the younger age patient and let's say Visiomax versus the other platforms as far as comfort during surgery. Yeah, I, mean, I learned this from you at some of these at some of these symposia that we're at. Uh, sort of the older generation was was no pain, no gain, and, and this generation's no pain, no pain, no pain, That's no right. pain. But just like, yeah, I, I think I think it's part of it. I, I honestly, I think that I think that. Patients were accepting of momentary discomfort for the many years of wonderful vision that we provide with LASIK. It was more about the team and myself because once that would happen, once they would feel the pressure from the Fimto, they're much more likely to squirm and move and look around. At that point, you're worried about suction loss, and that's whenever difficult things can happen and, and you have to kind of maneuver because these patients need to be perfect and they need to be perfect immediately, right? Because that's really what's going to drive your referral system. And then the other piece of that is that LASIK has become so wildly successful that patients just assume that it's going to be absolutely painless and they're going to see perfectly immediately, right? So you have to kind of coach them through, hey, these first few hours, you'll have some discomfort. You got to go home and take a nap and that's going to go away when you wake up and have dinner tonight. You already feel a little better. Certainly by tomorrow, you're great, right? You still haven't accomplished anything. If it's completely painless, they expected that, right? And so routinely with my older system, patients say, yeah, the procedure is no problem. But man, that really hurt. That was really uncomfortable just for a few seconds, but it was really uncomfortable. And so I think about that all the time. It's like, how can we how can we enhance the experience at every single level to make this as painless and as seamless as they expect? And sadly, if I'm being honest, even if you do that, you're you're likely not to blow your patients away, right? Like it's like always the analogy I always give is like if what was the last time that you got off a commercial airline and like thank the pilot profusely for landing the plane. Like, thank you so much. That was amazing. The flight, everything was great. You got to sit. You don't do that. Maybe you kind of, as you're walking out, you say, hey, thanks, and, 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 you, and you just keep moving, right? That's kind of how LASIK has become, for better or worse. It's a good thing or, or bad thing, right? So it's really not about the, it's about everything you do around the procedure. It's about the scheduling of the procedure. It's about how kind your staff was. It's about the follow-up. Did you get a, a personal a text message from your surgeon? All those little things are what you're going to talk about, just like in an airplane, right? You're gonna. How was your flight today? It was amazing. We had this uh, flight attendant that was so helpful and thoughtful and came and checked on us and, and made sure we know what connecting gate we were on and offered us extra peanuts and an extra beer. It was over the top, right? That's what you're talking about. Not the fact that the pilot landed the plane in a pain-free way and you weren't scared or, or frightened, right? Is that a fair analogy? Yeah, it's, I, I totally agree. Like It's every little touch is an opportunity to make an improvement for that experience. And I was thinking about the experience and what we used to say to patients after we did the femto is universally, we'd always say, oh, okay, now you're through the hard part and the expert is going to be easy. I'm curious, what do you say now to patients, Blake, after you've done the femto? Yeah. So after I do the very first eye on the Visumax, 
I lean down and I say, all right, that wasn't so bad, was it? And the patients go, wait, that was it? And I was like, yeah, that's kind of like, that's kind of like the most complicated part. That's where things can go wrong. And like, yeah, I thought absolutely nothing. And then I, I'll bend down and do the, uh, move the patient over and, and do the second eye. Uh, and after that's done, I say, all right, well, you're halfway done. All the technical parts over with for the most part. We're going to move you to, the, to laser number two. And we're going to reshape that little area to get your vision back. That's kind of how I'll phrase it. Because, yeah, I used to say hard parts over. And I did for the, to the Visibacs as well up until like a month ago. And now I'm kind of like, well, gosh, that doesn't really, it's not really true. <laughs> I mean, to be honest, it's like we have more fun uh, doing the Visibacs now. It's completely inversed. Although I do like how fast the wave light is, that's 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 kind of fun too. And to see all those little lasers, all those flying spot laser beams, it's pretty cool too. But yeah, the patient conversation has changed, the education has changed. We don't tell them it's going to hurt anymore. We don't tell them that you're, we we lean into the fact that you're not going to lose the vision at all. And we used to kind of tiptoe around that and say, "How's the procedure going to be?" And now we can lean into it, and say, "No, man, this is you're going to love this. This is going to be easy." Yeah, totally agree. But about a month ago. I was talking to my fellow, we're, we're talking about the experience and his wife had had uh, a smile with us and she had explained like how easy it was or how easy the docking was. And we're talking and he asked me, he's like, hey, have you ever had your eye docked under the Visumax? And at that point I hadn't, we'd had the Visumax for a good five, six years. I said, no, I haven't docked it yet. And then he said, well, you should try it. So I said, okay, put some numbing drops in, sat down. He wheeled me underneath the laser, docked, it, docked me. And I looked at the, at the green blinking light and all that stuff. And I was blown away by how, how minimal it was. It was interesting. You do get this sort of anxiety of like, okay, what's it going to feel like? What's going to happen? I got a little nervous. I wasn't under value or anything like that. So you have this maybe anxiety feeling, but then once you feel it, once you've been docked and you literally feel nothing, you're like, wait a minute, that's it? And that was the docking process. And that was at the beginning of a LASIK day or something, went on to do a number of LASIK and it was no big deal. So yeah, I definitely strongly recommend any of the surgeons that are using Visumax to try it on their own eye just to see what the experience is like or have their refractive coordinator or their optometrist or whoever feel that doc and, and realize how straightforward it is. I, I, yeah, I'm not sure I would do that just out of the blue on some of the other platforms. I know it probably would hurt. I might get it sometimes. <laughs> I don't know how excited I'd be about doing it, but I will say with the Visumax, it is surprisingly simple. Yeah, the wind-up is always worse than the actual punch, right? It's like when my mom, when I used to act up, my mom would give you a spanking as a kid. It's like I would just be so nervous, but then when it actually came, I was like, no, it didn't hurt so bad. But yeah. you can't tell you can't tell mom that. You definitely don't want to tell. <laughs> that would not be smart. So you got you to scream and yell. But this is the 80s, so we used to, it was okay to do that back then. The other thing about this bill is like, it's one thing to, to lean just on your, your colleagues and their opinions. And I have to be honest and say that I, I, I trust my colleagues so much. And I know guys like yourself who, who do more refractive surgery than I do and, and that have been doing it a lot longer than me. And so that's important. But also it's important to go and look at the data yourself. And I wanted to be able to see what have they compared in the Visimax to, to other technologies and looked at this and what have they found in the peer-reviewed literature. There's a few studies that are out there. Jan Better study in JCRS from 2011, Reese Hall study at JCRS in, in 2014, and from the JCRS as well. Kind of looking at this and, and kind of taking it from from different points, looking at it in different ways. Like for instance, the Better study, they looked at intraocular pressure measurements during flat prep using two different femtosecond lasers, and they also compared it to 
microkeratome. They did this in cadaver eyes over in Germany. Basically, they wanted to figure out what were the pressure differences between the two. What they found is that maximum IOPs during corneal flap prep and the, these enucleated eyes were lower, much lower with Tavizumax than the intralase. And I, I think that that's important because that's what we're talking about in terms of the, the patient comfort. It, it was good to kind of see that that's proven to be to be lower with Tavizumax. This study that was done by Reese Hall, again, this is sort of a patient and surgeon experience during LASIK using two different cryptosecond laser systems. And this is done in Singapore, the National Eye Center there. And what they found was that postoperatively, the patients completed a, a standardized validated questionnaire about their intra experience, like light perception and pain and, and fear. And what they found was that the loss of light perception occurred in 50% of the 60 hertz uh, laser cases and in 0% of the 500 hertz. So I think that that's pretty, that's pretty overwhelming there that, you know, in their conclusion, patients just preferred surgery with the vision max because they didn't lose sight, right? They had less subconscious besides just the pain that they'd experience with the high pressure. To me, loss of sight is something that would really be freaky. If you're a patient, you're going there to to improve your sight, right? Just for that moment, you're like, wait a second, what just happened? And even as you're kind of walking them through it, they were just uneasy. And that would sometimes lead to eye movement, suction loss. But what are your thoughts on that, Bill? I think to see the science sort of back our clinical experience, I think is comforting. I know this is these are things that we've sort of felt anecdotally that patients are having this better experience, but to see the data support it, it's amazing that 70% subconscious in one group versus less than 2% or something along those lines is, is very encouraging. A lot of patients, just something as cosmetic as a subconscious hemorrhage could affect what that patient perceives as far as their outcome. We've all had patients that have had 20, 20 day one and one eye might have a subconscious hemorrhage and the patients perceive that that eye is not going to see as well as the other eye. And they might think something went wrong or something's happening and just eliminating that variable in, in the overall experience, I think is helpful. Also, the loss of sight, it's, it's interesting. You know, I, I was surprised that it was only reported at 50% loss of sight, the one group. And I, I, I seem to remember it's been a while since I've used the other platforms, but it feels like the, the vision loss was almost nearly 100% on all the patients. So even that was maybe, maybe they've maintained some bit of sight, but with the uh, vision max, they're more or less seeing relatively well throughout the whole procedure until the, actually the femtosecond blocks some of their vision from that femtosecond bubbles. But anyway, so it's the bottom line. I think the, the data supports the anecdotal experience that you hear from many users. Yeah. And, and you know, lastly, you, you want to make sure the refractive outcomes are, are the same, right? So it's one thing if the thing's comfortable, but but what are, what are the outcomes, right? At the end of the day, that's, that's what these patients are paying for is an outcome, right? And then after that, an outcome, which is assumed, by the way, in an experience that is variable. And, and, and I think that part of the, the assumed, you know, perfect outcome is we're assuming that this laser works as well as the other, it, it, as the other platforms out there and that refractive outcomes are similar. So that's why it was nice to have a study like the one from Rossman et al. and JCRS, which looked at 45 patients. So not a whole lot of patients, but basically compared the wavelight systems and the Visumax system, looking at the, the efficacy the safety, the predictability of the refractive outcomes. And they didn't put the So 
you know, basically the results of LASIK with either 50-second laser, the Alcon platform, or the Vizimex platform is going to give you really uh, predictable uh, LASIK outcomes. And so that's good to see as well. So, you know, that's really it from, from the from the literature review. Once I kind of read through that, and once I had an opportunity to talk to many surgeons in different parts of the world, and many surgeons who use multiple platforms all the time, you know, it was pretty clear that the one that stood out was the Vizimax laser. And like I said, I mean, it's been the biggest jump that we've experienced in my short career. We were kind of like, my gosh, you know, I can't believe we were using anything else before. It's one of those things, probably the first time you got like a Mac or something like that, or first time you got an iPhone. Sorry, Android users. But, you know, once you got a Mac, you never really, you know, you didn't go back to a PC. You know, that'd be a pretty good reason for that. And and that's what my experience has been with the Zeiss Visumax. And I know that they're, they're coming out with their newest laser, which... You know, I'm excited to hear more about that. And one of the things I like the most about the uh, the new Zeiss uh, Vision Max that, that's coming out uh, is the speed increase, right? So, like with the new uh, with the new platform, new software, uh, you can do lenticular cuts in less than 10 seconds, which is amazing uh, compared to the previous generation, which is which is already amazing. Uh, but the way the rate with which they're innovating this, uh, the user experience, the patient experience. Uh, it is something that's uh, really great to watch, and uh, it's cool following along uh, with what they're doing over at Zeiss. So I think the future is really bright, and I think that my team has never been happier. The vibe is way better, and it's something that we really look forward to now. So we have the, the Zeiss team and the VisiMax to thank for that. With the VisiMax, like we've discussed, it is a different platform, and uh, there are some nuances in adopting it. You know, one of the things that was interesting since it does dock the cornea and that allows it to stay at lower pressures, you do have to be mindful of choosing the right cone size to match, let's say, white to white. So if you have a smaller eye, you want to use a smaller cone so that you make sure you keep that docking on the cornea. If you have a larger cone, let's say in a smaller eye, you may start to uh, pull in conjunctiva into the suction. And at that point, you won't have this sort of the the, the control of the eye that you're used to or that you want to, and you could lead to a say a, a suction loss or something like that. So I think that was one thing that was just interesting. So we are typically using the small size cone and the medium cone. I don't think I've ever used the largest cone for the Vision Max. So we're bouncing back and forth between small and medium, depending on the size of the cornea and then also the size of the predicted flap. You know, it, just some things that were kind of interesting with this. You know, typically with other platforms, I was using a nine millimeter flap. With this platform, our, our routine is about 8.1 or 8.2 millimeters. And initially, I was a little bit worried about that. I thought, gosh, are we going to have too small of a flap to get the full treatment? But what, what we found is a few things. Number one, that this centers on visual access. So once we lift the flap, we're getting the full eczema treatment into that bed. And number two, since it's a curved interface, that that 8.2 functionally acts, let's say like an 8.5 or 8.7 millimeter flap based on this is a curved interface versus some other interfaces are flat interfaces, which changes the functional size. So this is you know, 8.5 going over a curved diameter, which when you flatten it out is actually functionally a larger flap size. Those are just a couple little nuanced pearls that make this platform a little bit different. And there is with anything, there's going to be a transition our learning curve from going from one platform to, to another. And so Blake, I'm not sure what your thoughts, you're recently adopted it. And I'm curious if you found anything that was unique or 
different in that as far as a technical aspect. Yeah. Yeah. I would agree with those things that you mentioned. And then the other thing I would say is you do have to get used to, you know, that, that, that little green fixation dot not being perfectly centered in the pupil. Cause we know the visual axis is not always perfectly centered, right? So you had to kind of get used to that a little bit and accepting that that's where the visual axis is. That's where you want to center your treatment. So it makes sense with that. And then Really, the only other thing is making sure that the cornea is clear of any, you know, myobum or any debris. I kind of clean the cornea before with a little wet wax off. And also a very, you know, with the actual applicator, the cone, I'm always very, you know, cognizant of that, that you know, making sure it's clean. If you have to kind of come off and redock, you know, sometimes you get a little bit of oil on there. And so you're worried about the femto, you know, not being as, the penetrance being affected basically. So those are just a, a few, a few to go along with the ones that you already stated. That's great. Like I was thinking of one final thought that, you know, I think applies to you and you know, maybe users out there. I, you know, I hear a lot of docs when they're thinking about getting a new platform, maybe they're like, like what happened with you if your older platform times out or ages out and now you're in the market to get a new platform. I hear some docs saying, but well, I'm not interested in Smile, so I'm not going to get the Vision Max. And I try to explain to them, I'm like, well, you don't have to use Smile to get the Vision Max. It, like it's almost an added bonus. If you want to do smile in the future, you have that opportunity, but you're not relegated into doing that. So let, some people just discount it immediately because if they're sort of sold on LASIK and don't want to adopt uh, smile, they say, okay, well, I'm not going to get this. I'm going to look at something else. And you know, what, what are your thoughts or how do you answer that question? If somebody mentions that to you. Yeah. I mean, I, I think that, you know, I always, I always like to like think in analogs and give examples. I mean, there are many people that have a Tesla that never use ludicrous mode. Right, just because you buy the Tesla doesn't mean you have to drive it in ludicrous mode, right? So, so your iPhone, you buy there's there's a jillion things that your iPhone could do, and you probably use I don't know 30, 40, 50 of them, right? If that, so so it's you know it's a bit of a silly example, but true. I mean, so you know for me it it, it wasn't you know what does this box have that I don't want to use? It's what does this box have that is better than any other box out there? You know from everything that I've read. And oh, isn't it nice that there's other functionality out there? Should I choose to go down that road? So to me, it was a it was a value add. And then you ask yourself, well, gosh, do I have to? Is is it way more expensive than other other devices on the market that are that are similar? And, and we were able to work out really favorable terms. I thought the Zeiss team, you know, made it easy for us to to pay for this laser. And it turns out that our click fees, or what it costs us to to perform laser perform LASIK surgery actually went down a little bit, believe it or not, with a brand new laser. I was also seeing the future and watching Zeiss innovate and knowing that they're coming out with a new one. And you know, maybe there'll come a time in the next couple of years where I'll be able to turn mine in and, and adopt the newer laser. And, and my traded value, I'm guessing, would be way higher than what the Femto I was using before, right? So, so for all those reasons, it was a winner. Dr. Wiley, I want to thank you so much for coming on to the podcast today. And I know that you and I are both looking forward to that Vision Max 800. It's coming out pretty soon, huh? Yeah, it sounds like it's coming out to early 24. And historically, what we've had has been amazing. But now with the Vision Max 800, with the ability to speed the smile ventricle to less than 10 seconds is truly amazing. I can't wait to have that in my hands. Looking forward to seeing the new technology, but the current one is amazing. Thanks, Bill. Thank you.